the primary goal of the Christian life is not to get to heaven. The goal, our goal, is to live in union with Christ, to become like Christ. Because it's in Christ that we discover all of God's riches, which becomes our heaven. Through his pontificate, Pope St. John Paul II, he continued to speak about this universal call to holiness. He said that every Christian, regardless of their background, regardless of their profession, is called to be a saint, to become more and more like Christ. And the great St. Augustine, he spoke about this as a lifelong process, which he called deification or or divinization. He, He said that with the help of God's grace, we participate more and more fully in the, in the nature of God. Over time, we reflect more and more of God's attributes in our life. We, we become other Christs. That's the goal. That's the promise. That's heaven. Today, I want to briefly reflect on two key steps in our journey towards becoming more and more like Christ. The first step is always the first step, and it's always about receiving what God wants to give us. The saints were all very clear that only God can purify and transform our soul. Only God can make us like him. Yeah? doesn't matter how many books you read, how many great homilies you listen to. Only God can show you the truth of who you are. Only God can answer those deep existential questions that we all carry. Am I good? Am I worthwhile? What is my life about? I was a Catholic for 25 years, learning lots about my faith, but it wasn't until I, I had a personal experience of God's forgiveness, of his mercy, of his love, of his grace in my life. It was only then that the light turned on and suddenly I started to, to recognise who, who I really was. Step one in this journey towards becoming like Christ is to dare to believe that God wants to give you his life-changing grace. And to humble yourself often before this gift, this gift of love, this gift of favour, this gift of forgiveness, which we talk, we talk about as grace, yeah, unmerited gift from God. The image that came to me was when I was in Brazil, um, uh, these falls, Foz do Iguaçu, I think, I think they're the second biggest falls in the world, and the amount of water that comes over these cliff faces is just like mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And I was sitting there watching this war and I'm thinking, man, where does this come from? It just keeps coming and coming and coming, gazillions of litres of water. That was the image that came to me when I was thinking about God's grace, huh? Inexhaustible, constant, relentless. When was the last time you stopped and got under that waterfall of grace, allowed that, that the love of God to just be lavished upon you. I heard recently um, 
this expression that we burn through grace like a 747 burns through fuel on takeoff. I thought, I like that. I like that. We always need more of God, more grace. And the key for us is to remain hungry for it, to keep seeking out more and more of it in our life, which is one reason we come to Mass every week. Yeah. So the first step is to humble ourselves and to remain hungry before God. Yeah. But the readings today focus on another really critical step in this journey of becoming like Christ. Step two is to embody, is to live out the graces that God gives us. We're reminded today of a really key principle in the spiritual life, that God's grace can only really change us when we allow that grace to change the way we live. Yeah, when, we, when we make an effort to live according to these tremendous graces that God gives us, his love, his patience, his generosity, his forgiveness, his blessing. It's only when we seek to live them out in our lives that those graces can really change us. And the particular emphasis today is on the grace of forgiveness, which you could say is what the Christian life is all about. It is the key grace. The basic message today is to treat others the same way that God treats you. Our first reading today comes from one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament. Listen to the question he poses. If a man nurses anger against another, can he then demand compassion from the Lord? If I'm angry towards you, Anth, if I'm holding unforgiveness towards you, can I then say, God, forgive me? What a question. We can demand it, of course. We can ask you. But the point that the writer is making is that when we close our hearts to others, we're also closing our heart to God. Instead, he says, forgive your neighbour the hurt he does you, and when you pray, then your sins will be forgiven. You see, when we make a decision to extend to others the forgiveness that God has given so graciously to us, we, we then receive that grace more fully. It transforms us more deeply. But if we don't extend, if we don't give what we've been given, we limit the work that God can do in our lives. You get the principle? Jesus emphasises this same point by giving us this dramatic story in the gospel today. A servant had uh, a servant, he, he had a debt right to his master, 10,000 talents, which was a ridiculously large sum of money. He had no hope of repaying it, which meant that he was set to lose everything, his family, his freedom, his possessions for the rest of his life. Right? It was game over. But then he pleads with his master, and his master, shockingly, cancels all the debt. And in doing so, he, he, he restores that man back to life, back to hope, gives him a future again. But then this same servant, after he's set free, he comes across a fellow servant who owed him a measly 100 denarii, right? He could have easily repaid that over time. But rather than extending that same grace that he received, he throttles him and he has him thrown into prison, 
until he can repay the debt. Now, when we hear this story, I think we are supposed to respond with disgust. We're supposed to say, who would do that? What kind of man was he? He's just been forgiven in this extraordinary way. And who would, who would do that? And in response to that question, I think God, with all the love in his heart, would say to each one of us, well, you do that. You do it. You do it all the time. You've been forgiven all of your many failings, more failings than you realise. You've been spared of the greatest debt. Been spared of death. But still you hold back forgiving those who have much smaller debts against you. Jesus' point, once again, is that if you don't live out, if you don't pass on the graces that God has given you, then you severely limit what he's able to do in your life. Now, it's important that we recognise Jesus is not talking here about being best friends with everyone, right? But making an effort to forgive in our hearts those who have hurt us. Sometimes it's a bit hard to know, isn't it? Sometimes we, we think we have forgiven people, but it sort of comes out down the track that actually, no, we haven't. We've just sort of buried it. It's sort of lurking down there, causing all kinds of other problems. It's hard to know sometimes, but my guess is that most of us probably have someone that we're holding unforgiveness towards. The key question for us is, is why do we often struggle to pass on this compassion and forgiveness that God has so graciously given us. I want to offer two, two potential reasons. Firstly, is forgiveness is hard. It's probably the hardest thing we can do as humans. Sometimes we have been deeply hurt and everything within us wants to resist letting that go, letting that person off the hook. And that's perfectly reasonable and understandable. In some situations, it can take a lifetime to fully forgive someone, and that's okay, as long as we're making an effort. Another key reason we might struggle to forgive is because we haven't done enough of step one. We haven't opened ourselves sufficiently to God's forgiving love towards us. Maybe we haven't been honest enough with ourselves and with God. We haven't really owned our failures we haven't come before God and really confessed them from, with a contrite heart. Or maybe we have confessed them, maybe we have owned them, but we haven't been able to receive God's forgiveness into those parts in our, our life. Maybe we're too proud to allow God to love us there, to accept us there, to forgive us. We're like, nah, I've got to work it out myself. Nah, I've got to, I've got to make this right somehow, rather than just humbling ourselves. Receiving God's free gift of healing and forgiveness. Remember the sinful woman in the gospel? Um, Jesus was at a dinner and this woman just breaks in the house <laughs> and starts crying at his feet and washing her, his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair and kissing his feet. Remember that, that moment? And, and Jesus says, this woman, she loves much because she has been forgiven much. Those who have been forgiven little tend to love little. When God's mercy touches us, it radically reorients our heart. 
God's compassion helps us to see not only the truth of who we are, our own value, our own goodness, but, but God in his mercy, once it touches our heart, we start to see the truth of others too, even those that we really struggle with. We start to realise, oh my God, he or she's a son and daughter of God too. God loves that person too. God's mercy softens our heart and he gives us a desire and a capacity to forgive others just as we have been forgiven. Peter asked today, how often, Lord? All right, forgiveness is important, I get it, but how often? Seven times, is that enough? I mean, seven times is a lot. Have you ever forgiven someone seven times? That's, that's quite a lot, isn't it? And Jesus says, no, not seven, 77 times. In other words, Jesus is saying, forgiveness is not something you can calculate, Peter. It's not a checkbox. It flows out of a heart that has been touched by God's mercy. And of course, that mercy is endless. So, mate, your mercy has got to be endless too. When you look at the people of great faith and hope and love, it's often those who have been forgiven most deeply. And those people who never forget that they've been forgiven. That's the, the, the point of the, the psalmist today. Huh? He says, never forget all his blessings. It is he who forgives your guilt. It is he who he heals you of all your ills. Never forget that. So I'm going to finish where I began. The goal of our life is to become like Christ. And the good news is that we have no hope of doing that on our own. But what we can do is to be radically honest with ourselves, with God. We can leave no stone unturned. We can humble ourselves before God every day and, and with great faith consciously receive God's love and God's healing grace. God's mercy is the fuel you need for your spiritual life. Mercy will open your heart to all of the graces that will, become, that will help you to become more and more like Christ. And it's in Christ that we find our heaven. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate, or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.